0: Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's guest is Serena Abalion. She is a mindset coach and speaker who focuses on empowering burnt out millennials to ditch their egos and limiting beliefs so that they can live a more aligned life. She uses inner child work to help her clients remind themselves of who they were before the world told them who to be. This conversation reminds us all to take ourselves a little bit less seriously and to find that inner calling that fuels our fire. So if you feel like getting a boost of inspiration to go tackle some of those things that have been holding you back, this episode is for you. Please give it up for Serena Abalion. What's up, y'all? We're back with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. My name is CJ Finley, back at the Thrive HQ, where I'm going to be talking today with serena Abalion, who's an inner child expert tuning in from boston massachusetts right now how are you doing today serena
1: i'm great thanks for having me
0: you're welcome well it wouldn't happen if it wasn't for you actually reaching out to me and kind of wondering why i haven't asked you to be on it yet which is (laughs) kind of cool and i love when people do that but before we get into it i want you to say your name i didn't want to say it this way because (laughs) i would have butchered it but I love the the rolling R. So I'd love for you to introduce yourself with that rolling R because it was it's really sounds really cool.
1: Thank you. Yeah, my name is Sirena Abalian. So we got that little roll of the R in there, which um, oh yeah. And where different.
0: where are you from? That where's your name like originate from?
1: Yeah. So, um, I'm Armenian. So my name is Armenian, but for a lot of other people, it, it means mermaid in like various other languages. So it's a name that you can kind of see around, but yeah, I'm Armenian. So
0: do you have any mermaid tendencies?
1: Um, you know, I, <laughs> I love me a good little mermaid. I used to like put on fins as a kid, like There was this place down in Florida that like would have fake mermaids and, well, fake, they're like humans in mermaid costumes. And it was probably like the highlight of my whole life was going to that for sure.
0: That's amazing. But I wanted to kick off today's conversation with kind of going back into how you reached out and what your advice would be to people looking to kind of get their voice and their brand out there because you are listed as a mindset coach. And one of the things that you did was- Serena knows one of my buddies, Wyatt, and she saw that I tagged him and she immediately was like, Hey, I'd love to be on your podcast. And one of the things that I love to do is I'm a go getter. And if you don't ask, you don't receive. That's one of the things that I live by. So I always try to reward people that actually go out of their way and ask. But as a mindset coach, how does somebody maybe out there who's listening, who has something that they want to ask for right now? And it could be as small as like asking to get on a podcast or it could be like, I want a 20K raise, whatever it may be. What would your advice be to do that for them to gain that confidence?
1: Yeah. For me, it's always been like listening to those inner nudges, essentially. Like if something feels good, if something in you is, you know, you want to ask for that raise or you want to ask for that podcast, like you almost have to act on it as fast as possible because you allow that nudge in your body to like come to fruition and the more that you do that, the more that that voice, like that inner voice gets stronger and like less scared of the bigger things. So like, I mean, you said it perfectly, literally when I saw that why it was tagged in, I was like, oh my gosh, like I've connected with CJ a little bit before. Like I should just ask, like if he says no, then like, that's all right. Like, you know, I'll ask in a month or two, you know, whatever yeah, happens. Exactly. But if I had sat and thought about it, and, like did that overthinking thing that so many of us get trapped into... I 110% would not be here right now. So for me, it was just like, in that moment, I was like, you know, I'm just going to DM him. I can't think, just do. Like, don't think, just do, you know? And if it's those smaller nudges, the more that you do that, there's like this compounding effect where you'll begin to trust that so much more than you ever have that you won't think twice and there won't be that extra story or layer of doubt because you've totally like done away with it.
0: Yeah, I like, I like to live by the, I love what you just said. I like to live by the, if you see something, say something. And it's Mm -hmm. one of the things that like, usually, especially on social media, a lot of people follow, like they'll follow along with other people. And even my wife, I'll catch her in a loop of just looking at content and being inspired by it. But I try to get her to say, I'm like, if you're inspired by that, say it it to that person. Mm -hmm. That's the easiest way to build confidence is to, as soon as you see something that is like, gives you, I love how you said that nudge, that little thing inside you that only you can feel, but actually do something about it. And I'm a big believer in like, confidence creates consistency. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And the way to build confidence is what you just described. Now, is this something that is, been easy for you to do over the long run? My guess is no. How did you kind of work your way up to being like that and actually taking that first step and that first leap? Because I think a lot of people struggle with the first step of doing that. What did that look like for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. I don't think any of us are really totally born with that confidence in all aspects of life. So this, the story of it is actually a little bit funny because I, I've been an actor professionally since I was six years old as well. Just a, a side a side thing that I've done.
0: Well, I have to dig into this. How did you <laughs> get into it? Was that your parents like doing or was it something when you were little you just wanted to do?
1: No, I was I was just always putting on shows, always singing. And apparently, as the story goes, allegedly how my mom likes to tell it is, I was watching this one show and I pointed to the stage and I was like, I want to do that. I want to be up there. And then they like put me in a class and I auditioned and I've like worked with that theater since I was six years old. So like a very long time now, my parents have never pushed me to do that sort of stuff. It just kind of came naturally. So
0: that's amazing.
1: I ran with it and I freaking love it. But in saying that there were, you know, obviously many hardships in that. And one of them was, I used to go like into audition rooms and I was like super shy, like, didn't feel like i totally fit in everyone else was like really like loud and confident and you know how like actors can be like we're very bold and big dramatic personalities and i remember one day like thinking to myself and i was like i want to be that person that walks into the room and makes friends with everybody but i was like terrified of doing that because you know what are people going to think of me what if somebody doesn't like me da, 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 da. and funny enough what brought me to that and the tactic that i still use with myself today is as an actor, like basically our job is to like BS our way through everything. Like we are BS artists. You know what I mean? Like we, yeah. we play characters that aren't ourselves and we just kind of make it up as we go. And for me, it was like really kidding myself and doing it even when I wasn't confident enough. So I wasn't confident enough for years in just being that person that walked into the room and made friends with everybody and talked to everybody and was that light and that ball of energy until I just became so uncomfortable and like wanting it so bad that I was like, I just have to fake it till I make it. And continuously doing that has now led me to being like, oh, like if there's anything I don't believe, if I repeat it enough and if I do it enough, I'm going to turn it from something that I don't believe in to something that I'm like fully embodying. You know, like even if it's an affirmation, like I'll tell clients and stuff like, they're like, oh, but I'm not this yet. And I was like, okay, so why don't we take that? Like, I'm not confident enough to do that yet. I'm not confident to talk to boys. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. This is a scary thing to do. But like, what if we, we flip that around and every morning you like looked at yourself in the mirror or journaled and you were like, I am so confident. I talked to all the boys and all the boys love my confidence. And even when you don't believe that you write it because your brain and body like doesn't really know any different whether you believe it or not in that sense, because you're just putting it out there. So I think it comes to that same thing of like, did I even have the confidence of knowing like, oh my gosh, what if CJ has like other people on his podcast that are like way more prevalent or more famous or more well-known or whatnot? Like I didn't even think twice about that because I was like, I'm just gonna fake it and pretend like I'm at that same caliber as whoever else is on there. And if it lands, it lands. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And I'll try next time.
0: I love that. It's one of those things like you have to be it before you become it. Exactly. And f- man, this this is such a hot topic for me, even just podcasting, mm-hmm. even just having you on here. I was listening to so many podcasts and in my head, I was just thinking, I can do this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I can be the host. I can be the guest. And I just started envisioning actually doing it. And then voila, now we're mm-hmm. f- almost 70 episodes into wow. my own podcast, like before you know it. And obviously there's been iterations to it, but I started like in my head of like, how do I, what, what steps do I take to, to be it first? And it sounds like you had a, a start at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Now for me, I've experienced this as well. I, I like the, I don't know if you've ever watched the Ted talk, fake it till you become it no. rather than the fake it till you make it. I, I highly recommend it. Jake put this in the show notes, (laughs) fake it. So you become it. I forget who did this Ted talk, but it was awesome. But one of the things that can happen with that is have there ever been any struggles that you've endured because you've bitten off more than you can chew. I live by like bite off as much as you can and then chew like hell. And then (laughs) some food and crumbs will just hit the ground and that's just life. Right. But a lot of people, I think stress where they don't push themselves to the limit and fake it till they make it because they're actually more scared of like, what if I said yes, rather than what if I said no? Mm-hmm. A lot of people fear that yes more than they do the no. The no is just like, eh, like I tried, and then they can just move on with their day. But have you ever found yourself in a spot where gaining that confidence and then like overstepping a couple steps has like come back to, to bite you in the ass and teach you a lesson?
1: Yes. I will say that I, I don't believe – that it's, you know, it's bit me in the ass per se because, and it's actually happening right now. Like I was just on a phone call with a girlfriend of mine and I was like, I'm so overwhelmed by the abundance of things that I'm saying yes to. But what I believe is like, you know, when you like make spaghetti and you like throw, like they say, like throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. It's kind of like that. Like, I believe that if we say yes to things just to really get like our confidence rolling or whatever that is, like we're in the building blocks of our business. Like, you know, I launched my business only a couple months ago. So I'm just like trying to, you know, see what just feels the most aligned and what works. And in essence, it's like whatever kind of falls through the cracks. Like I love the, I love analogies. So I love that you said that, like whatever the crumbs are that, that falls like let it fall. Because if it wasn't meant to be there, then it wouldn't. Like the fact that I've reached out to, you know, let's say a hundred different people, right. To be like, Oh, I have this message. I think it resonates with your podcast. Can I, you know, do you want to talk more about that? And let's say like five of them respond and like, I'm not going to go like chasing after somebody because I want it to be in such pure alignment that like they're as excited as I am. So something as simple as this, like, I love that we get to use, you know, our, this episode as, as an example, but um, like this stuck, like I had no intention of it whatsoever, but it came and I followed that like ping or that little nudge where I was like, just do it. (laughs) And so I messaged and he's, you know, you were like, all right, next week. And I was like, yep, sounds good. Monday morning, let's go, let's do it. And, and, you know, you stuck through, like, it could have been something that I said yes to you. I said yes to five other people, but you know, if something falls through and a person doesn't, you know, pick up the phone or they don't end up, you know, releasing the episode that you thought they were going to or whatnot, like, I just truly have come to this place of like full faith and surrender that like, if it wasn't meant to, then it wasn't supposed to like the spaghetti didn't stick to the wall for a reason. And that's okay. And if you want to circle back around to it at some point to go and like you said, you know, pick up those crumbs again, and reach back out to those people that kind of fell through the cracks, like that's okay, you know, because I think everything that you're doing is constantly putting you on that trajectory forward. And While yes, it can obviously lead you to burnout, which is a whole nother conversation in and of itself. I think when it feels the most aligned, it should feel easy. Like this flowed so easily, at least for me, I don't know if it did for you, but I was like, yeah, I have time. Let's do it. Let's hop on the call. Cool. Yeah.
0: I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head. The number one thing is be valuable. Mm -hmm. And for me, you made my life easy. Like that's yeah. why I like, cause I'm usually having to find who are we gonna have on the show? What are we gonna talk about? Right. Things like that. Like You were already, you'd already given me all that really. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, okay, all I have to do is find a gap in time in my schedule. And fortunately Monday mornings are typically, I don't really book anything on Monday cause it's, I try to lean into that week and, and get some mm-hmm. things done on mine. But I'm always willing to throw extra on top based on the things that I love to do. And I love to podcast, I love to have conversations. So you just, another thing is like right time, right place. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people forget that is just like, if you shoot a hundred messages out, it's gonna be the right time, right place for five of those, not all 100 and you need to lean into that. And then the other thing that I advise a lot of my clients on and in conversations with a lot of different people is until you get a no, assume it's a yes. Rather mm-hmm. than what most people do, assume it's a no, because no one responded. But if you're reaching out to people that have podcasts, my guess is they have a business. They're a very busy person. They might not just have seen your message or like they're overwhelmed or they went on vacation, but it's human psychology for us always to be negative and be like, oh, they don't want me or they don't want like, that's such ego driving Mm -hmm. you. Rather, what I do is I shoot for no's. So I will literally reach out to people. And if they don't respond, I'll reach out a week later and then a week later. And I'll literally say, if this is not for you, can you just tell me no? And I'll start reaching out to you. Because there's no, I don't hold any animosity towards that. So that's what I'd love to dig in with you is what is your response when you do receive no's? How are you basically continuing to climb that mountain? Because this is so pivotal for a lot of people out there to understand that I get, I receive 99 no's and one yes. Mm -hmm. Most people, if you look at social media, they think it's the opposite. They think everything you ask for, it's 99 yeses and 1% no. And I was actually listening to your podcast and how you were going in through this mindset of like when you were dancing and someone, a family friend was basically saying you were lucky.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I, that hit home with me because man, I have t- never give up tattooed on my, on my rib cage mm-hmm. and luck is just not a thing. It's just like, I'm very exactly. unlucky with a lot of things in my life, but I work my ass off to overcome them. And that those o- things I overcome is what you see. So for you... What does it look like when you do receive a no? And what is your advice to others out there listening that they can just take a no with a grain of salt and just keep going?
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell this story because we brought up my acting career. So, this one theater that I worked at, um, which I've done over 10 productions with, like, work, they started my career basically, and I've won awards with them. But when I was younger and first starting out, like, you're going to get rejected. Like, not everybody is, not every opportunity is meant for you. And they used to send us these purple postcards that said, like, unfortunately, we've decided to go with somebody else. Like, you know, it doesn't have to do with your talent. It could just be a height thing or whatever. Like, so I used to get these purple postcards in the mail when they were a rejection. And I used to take them and I got many of them and I put them all in this one drawer in my desk to serve as that reminder for me. And, like, I did this when I was literally 10 years old. Like, I don't know who I was. But I would put them in this drawer as a reminder of, like, you know, the number of times in other people's eyes I had failed. But to me, it was just, like, that fuel. Like, every time I got another purple postcard, like, I'd put it in the drawer. But, like, sometimes it'd be crumpled or, like, have a riff in it or something. Like, I would, I would just get more passionate about what was coming next. Every single purple postcard I got, like every single no was just more fuel to that fire of, no, this is what I want to do. Because despite having an entire drawer packed to the brim, let's say, of all of these rejections, I was like, this is my reminder. This is is it. And so what I like to say now is rejection is redirection. It just wasn't meant for you in this time. It has nothing to do with anything that's wrong with you or the other person. It's merely just having to do with, it could actually be saving you from something or preventing you from making a wrong mistake that you didn't even know was going to be that, you know, but we, when we hold our grip so tight to things that we expect and it doesn't go our way, we can either choose a to put it in a drawer and use it as like you know our our fuel for that or we just decide to dwell on it and for me it was like why am i going to dwell over this thing when you know there's an audition in another 4 months that like i can prep for and be more ready for and that was back then and now it's like oh didn't sign a client didn't get that speaking opportunity didn't get that podcast but again it's like like you i love that you said that too I don't see it as a no until the person blatantly is like, please stop messaging me. Like, this isn't going to happen. And I relate it always back to like, when you were a kid, like kids also don't even know the word no, because they just assume that everything's going to be a yes. And literally like hands on both their shoulders, you look them and you're like, I said, no, can you repeat after me and acknowledge that this is what's happening? You know? So So understanding that like you get to label it rejection if you wanted to. And I never labeled it that. I just labeled it as the purple postcard. Like it was just the purple postcard that came in the mail that told me that this, it wasn't now, but it was maybe later, you know, that this just wasn't the right opportunity, that there was something potentially waiting around the corner. And, you know, you get to decide if you're going to put like, you know, when your car gets a rejection sticker, like mine definitely has a rejection sticker on it. Um, I was like, I can, you know, decide to look at that R as like rejection or like reject or like it's ready. Like it's ready for something new. It's ready. I don't know. It needs to be fixed, but maybe that's not the best analogy, but.
0: No, I, I, I love that. And that gives the ability for people to make up their own purple postcards. And speaking of making up, I just finished the last dance with Michael Jordan. And Mm. what he would do is he would have a team collect all newspaper articles, anything that was written that was like uh, ragging him or bad about him. But he not only did that, like, with actual factual things that were put out there, like factual meaning somebody writ it, put it in a newspaper, whether it was a fact or not, that's hearsay, but somebody (laughs) actually went about putting something out there about him. But what he also used to do is just make up shit in his head that were like postcards to motivate him to like literally play every game like it was his last Mm. game. And I love, it sounds like somehow when you were a kid, you were able to take that abundance as a kid And bring that to adulthood, which most people, because they hear no so often, they switch in to that scarcity mindset, which is really awesome to hear because now I'm thinking of a million different ways that how do I like put a purple postcard into into my life where it's just like, when I need that little boost of motivation, I have something to actually look at one of the reasons I, I love social media is I, I post to remind myself of where I've been versus mm-hmm. where I'm at now. So I can literally see like a year ago, a memory, and then it's just like that motivating factor. But I'd love to kind of shift this conversation a little bit into, I literally know nothing about you other than when you reach out and <laughs> uh, DM'd me. So I'd love to know a little bit about you were a child actor, but where'd you grow up? And what hometown? And are you an only sibling? And let's hear all the the good stuff.
1: So here's my life story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I grew up in Waltham, Massachusetts. So like right outside of Boston, which is where my family just moved back to right now. I got a little sister. She's literally like the wisest person I know. She's like well beyond her years. Um, she's an artist, and she dreams of working at Pixar. So, if anyone wants to reach out, if anyone has any connections at Pixar, let me know, so I can do my sister a solid. But yeah, I just I you know I started off as a as a child actor, and I really did think that that was like my end all be all, you know. And I had extremely supportive parents and family, and somehow for some reason I was good, and people you know kept really singing my praises. And even if they didn't, I, I did a similar thing where like if I would found an article or a newspaper review or something about the show that I was doing that said something negative about the show itself, even if it was just wasn't about me, like I'd really look at it as like constructive criticism and then, you know, decide for myself if I wanted to see that as true or not. But yeah, like, I mean, I was on track to move to New York and go to Broadway and do the whole thing. And I, you know, I had so many connections there and, you know, kind of like life just decided that that wasn't what my purpose was, which... Honestly, it took me until probably this last year to really figure out and not only figure out, but like come to terms with and like be confident in knowing that it's okay that I can kind of leave behind the part of myself that I've spent over, I can't do the math right now, but like over 15 years, you know.
0: I think a lot of people, especially during now, like COVID, like yeah. they're having like a, an awakening of, wow, is this really my purpose in life? Like they're, they've had the chance to take a step back. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Serena. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back into the combo with Serena Abalion. For you, what was your first sign of like, wow, maybe my purpose is shifting a little bit. What did that look like?
1: It was like forcing it. It was really that moment of like being in burnout where I was on stage and I just wanted to be off stage. And I always told myself being in the entertainment industry is not all glitz and glam. Like, you know, we all know that and it's very hard work. But when I was on stage and I didn't want to be, I was like, oh my God, I just can't wait for this show or this, you know, dance number to end or whatever. Like that's when I really clicked into like Oh, shoot, like I'm not in alignment at all right now because I told myself that I only want to do this work because it lights me up so much. Like I would do it for free for the rest of my life if I got to play the roles that meant something to me, that challenged me, that had me, you know, lighting up on stage. And it led me to a massive point of burnout where. I mean, I was 17 at the time, like I was burning out at 17 because I was doing four shows a year, plus graduating high school and working like a job at a cafe. And like, you know, it was a lot, but I loved it. But when it came to a point where literally like my body physically hurt and my mental health was declining, that's when I was like, whoa, 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 how did we go from having this thing where I looked so forward to like rushing to rehearsal early to literally getting to shows five minutes before my call time, like before my absolute last call time because I just didn't want to be in the room. And when I was able to kind of take an eagle eye view to it and like compare it to what had brought me joy in that space and that exact same theater or with those exact same people, it was like very disconcerting to, to see and to watch myself do, but that was my biggest trigger for sure. But in saying that it took me, you know, I fought against it for so many years as so many of us do. That's why we stay in the places that we're at because our identity and our homeostasis right it like it's what we know it's what people know us for it's what makes us feel comfortable we have a routine we know all these things and when we get too comfortable and too complacent we really do put on blinders to stop us from believing that there is something else that makes us happier, that, you know, we don't have to stick with this thing just because it's what everyone else knows us to be um, or wants us to be. And for me, it was really like when my mental health declined dramatically, like, you know, I was not doing well at all. That was really when I had to kind of take my life into stock because I i was close to, you know, not wanting wanting it anymore.
0: That's amazing. And thank you for sharing that. And to bring that back to like your purple postcard,
1: Mm.
0: what I stress everyone to take a step back and reflect on is there's so many areas in our life where you're just running, you're just continuously going, going, going. And when you do receive a no, if you're willing to just keep going, a lot of that means you're, you're, you are in alignment. So you brought Mm -hmm. up the word alignment. And like, for me, alignment is taking no with a smile Mm -hmm. and that means that you're so passionate about something you refuse to let anybody else bring you down you just keep going and i think a lot of people out there like when you get to that point of being up on stage and you don't want to do it well if someone then tells you no it's almost like a relief rather than like a challenge and as soon as that becomes a relief that's how i know i'm out of alignment like say business coaching, for instance, Mm -hmm. like there was a point where it was, I was out of alignment with not coaching in itself, but Mm -hmm. who I wanted to coach. Mm -hmm. Because what I would do is I would self-sabotage myself in some way and be happy that I didn't get the client or this one thing didn't happen. Right. But then I started, I mean, this is, this is going on three years ago. Now Mm -hmm. it's like, to the point where I know myself so well, I know what I want that I don't even let myself get to that point anymore. So that's where my question for you is like, okay, this happened to you run us through kind of, you started figuring out, okay, this isn't for me, but I know for myself, you're going into a territory of like, oh shit, I've been this one way. And I don't know what is behind that other door what were some of the steps that you were taking to kind of, I guess, find your new self?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I wanted to add to, to what you were saying before we dive into that, I always tell people like, if you're asking for a sign, you know, like I've had girlfriends be like, oh, like in, in a relationship or in a marriage that they don't like. And they're like, I just wish that, you know, he would cheat on me. So I had a reason to leave. Wow. And I was like, that is your reason, like you wanting that, like, oh, I wish I could just get fired so I could leave this job. Those, anytime you have those sorts of inklings, that's literally your gut, you know, your highest self being like, I'm trying to scream at you to tell you like, this is the sign. You asking for a sign is the sign. So I just, I just want to throw that out there for anyone who's listening, who's like, I don't even know how to listen to myself. And I'm like, you are listening to yourself because you're asking for it to like show up to you. But merely you asking is the telltale sign that that is what you want, that that is your truth. But damn, in finding yourself, uh, I'm—I mean, I'm going to be honest when I say I think life is so beautiful in that way, and I think it's more enjoyable when you look at it at that way that it is a never-ending journey of of finding yourself and finding others and and whatnot. And what has brought me to that because I never thought that way before was. And I think I said it before, I had this really, really tight grip on who I was supposed to be, the box I was supposed to fit in. And it was because of family, it was because of society. Like you said, I didn't know any better, you know. People knew me as, oh, the actress, the super successful, you know, energizer bunny, you know, actress that just like comes walks in and can sing a whole show and then, you know, peace out and like, you know, do whatever the heck she wants later. And although that still is part of me and part of my character. I began to like struggle so much in keeping that alive, that like facade and that memory alive for everybody else but myself. And when I found myself in when I was depressed, it was obviously the complete opposite of that, you know, and it was so jarring to see that I literally just had to sit myself down. And this is when, you know, my whole inner child work and stuff, but I just sat myself down and I was like, okay, I need to remember like what brings me joy what makes me feel free like at the basic you know level of maslow's hierarchy of needs you know we have like a roof over our head and water and food and then we slowly climb up that that ladder and we get to like self actualization and all these things but really like the most potent part of all of it in my opinion is like what brings me joy you know what brings me peace and anytime you can ask yourself that and listen And then follow into that and just, I I think you said this too, like lean into what that is, even if it's not fully throwing yourself like full throttle into it, just like gently leaning into it and seeing how it feels and knowing that if it feels good, cool, let's dive deeper into that or let's explore further. And if it doesn't, then that's okay because it's a redirection to something new. But like everyone says, like you don't know until you try it. It's that same thing and you have to be willing to try so many things and be okay with not having an identity that you can describe in a 10-second elevator pitch. You know, that really bothered me for years to not be able to know who I was so I could explain myself to other people. And that fear of being misunderstood is like what stopped me from really stepping into who I was because I wasn't able to honor all the parts of myself because I believed, and I was putting this own pressure on myself, you know, that society and my parents needed a very concise, clean title. And like, I keep saying like elevator pitch as to who I was and what I stood for. But like, we're freaking humans. Like we can't have a 10 second elevator speech. You know what I mean? Like all of my, the things that I stand for and who I am and where I come from, even my favorite color changes daily. You know, like there's so many more parts to us because we're such intricate beings that if we just begin to allow ourselves and give ourselves permission. So like whoever's listening, I'm giving you permission. I think we're both giving you permission to just lean into that and explore and like telling you, like you're allowed to not have anything concise about you or have anything, you know, regimented or, you know, dictionary definition about you. Like what's, what's the fun of that? I
0: I love this. So let's, let's pretend let's do a a case study right now. Love it. We're at a bar and someone walks up to you and is like, Serena, what do you do? What is your response? If if you're listening and you know me, you know, I love this topic. Um, I hate titles. Um, in terms of, Again, like if you go to my LinkedIn, it's like serial entrepreneur, podcast right, host, right. whatever. I, the title for what you do is fine, but living and boxing yourself in that title, like I'm not only that. I yeah. have a different title for whatever mechanism I am putting out there, right? But I don't live by that. Oh, ch- it could change tomorrow, or exactly. it could change today, right? Yeah. So for you, if we're at that bar and someone walks up to you, how do you respond to that? And do you have do you have any advice for people? to get away from, oh, I'm just Joe from compliance.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, this is probably going to sound annoying to people, but I genuinely hit them back with the question of like, well, what do you mean? What do I do? Like, what do I do on my spare time? What do I do that makes me money? You know, what do I do on a Sunday night? Like what, you know, because my, the, the truth behind it is it's a very, like, it's a question that people ask to make themselves feel more comfortable so that they can put you in a box. Right. So when I turn it around and I go basically kind of alluding to like, what are your intentions behind this question? You know, like, are you get, do you want to get to know me because perhaps we can network in this moment? Then like, okay, yeah. Like I'm a mindset coach. I'm a public speaker. You know, I work with millennials specifically, like here, I'll give you the whole spiel and rundown of my business. But you know, if you're you know talking to me at a bar because you're hitting on me, like that's a different thing. Like I don't want to tell you what I just do to make money. Like I want you to, or not, I want you to know, but like, do you want to know about who I am and like, well, you know, I love to travel and like, you know, next week I'm, I'm going to be going back to Toronto for two months to go and visit my friends there because I'm a Canadian citizen. And like that to me, I much prefer the story of something. So I'm a bit, I guess, ballsy and saying that like, I turn it on its head for people like that to be like, well, what do you mean? What do I do?
0: Respond to a question with a question. I love that. And I mean, that shows your entrepreneurial mindset. And one of the things that I always try and do is I'm results driven. So what result? is this person looking for from this conversation? So my usually rebuttal is like, well, what do you like to talk about? Like, I like a bunch of different things and I do a bunch of different things. But I actually, I took this question to heart one time and shout out to my buddy, Mike DePaula. We go way back from where I grew up, but he was visiting me in Houston one time. And he, (laughs) when it was when I first started Thrive on Life and he was just like, bro, you're a lifer. Like, and he just started calling me a lifer. And I was just like, this is interesting. So we went when we went out to the bar I was like let's test something when people <laughs> ask us what we do tonight just respond with I'm a lifer and then I live so someone like when I would say I'm a lifer they're like what is that and I'll be like I live life and yeah. it would start like some of the best conversations just by doing something stupid like that so on top of Serena's uh extremely valuable way of going about things I challenge you to just have fun with it and right. see kind of like just be stupid and see yes. what those combos lead to because honestly, I had, first off, way more fun. That's what I'm after in life. Way more fun doing it that way. But then also it actually sparked some really interesting conversations by literally just switching the little things we do in life into something different because that person is looking for you. like They're just a robot asking you what do you do because they don't know anything else. So once you like switch out of that, you're then going to inspire them. And that's what we're we're all about is inspiring that a little bit of a difference, but I'm going to loop back here. You mentioned inner child work and, and depression. And I think depression is something a lot of human beings go through without even realizing that it's within them, that they are depressed. So for you, what were some of the signs that you kind of were loving life as a, as an actor, but then some depression was, was coming because it looks different for everybody. And I always right. want to have people tell their stories because if someone's listening out there uh, to this, they might be able to see this within themselves and then get the help that they need potentially, or gain the self awareness to allow them to have some breakthroughs.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I and I love that you honor that as well because for me that was my biggest struggle because my depression didn't look like what I had seen in the movies and on TV, you know, in the sense that like it wasn't as extreme and, and dramatic because. You know, I've had anxiety and panic disorder since I was a little kid. So I've been very high functioning is what people could label me as. Like you would never know. And I think, you know, I did that exact same thing with depression. And a lot of people do um, where, you know, we can still wake up and put on our clothes and show up to work and do the job that needs to be done. But inside there's so much more inner turmoil happening. And for me, it felt I became extremely... Irritable in many, many ways, in the sense that, like, my peppy, like, always looking for the positive side of things, that, like, really waned. And I just began to look at everything like it was against me. Like, I just thought that life was against me. You know, everything was like super negative. I didn't see, you know, I didn't see a point in a lot of things. And it started off as just that, like, just like my behavior externally. And then it really shifted into, this lack of purpose which felt so foreign to someone like me who i i was hellbent on being on broadway like i had people that i knew it was going to happen like i could see it right and when the last thing that i wanted to do was even sing or dance in my own house or even just like watch it when i started to feel that disconnect that's when i was like okay wait this doesn't feel right like there's some, there's something off. And unfortunately, it it did, you know, kind of spiral out of my own control where I mean, I was sleeping constantly because I just wanted the day to end because I didn't I just didn't have enough energy to do anything. I didn't want to do anything. The more that I was awake, the more I had to think, and the more that I thought, you know, the deeper and darker that it got. And interestingly enough, like I say all of this, but nobody around me knew aside from pretty much my parents because I was I was still posting on Instagram. I was still, you know, smiling in all of my photos and I could still laugh. Like I could still laugh and have a good time, you know, but when I went home or even within those moments, I just felt like there was this gray cloud over my head the entire time that I, no matter what I did, I just not only didn't know how to shake off, I didn't even want to shake it off, you know? And when you fall so deep into that, where you are so disconnected, so unaligned from your own truth, that you know it. For me, it did come to a point where I did have, and this is like trigger warning for for many, but I did have suicidal ideations, and it was terrifying. I didn't know that that's what it even was at first until you know I was talking to someone and they turned to me and they're like, "Oh yeah, like that's that's no not not the loveliest thing." Because I was afraid of death, like full on hardcore, like, I mean, I still kind of am to this day. I was like, I have so much to do and I have so much to give life and I love <laughs> life, you know, and then thinking about the fact that like, I just couldn't, I just like, couldn't pick myself up from my bootstraps. I, I didn't know how I didn't want to. And for me, the turning point in all of that, which is, it's, it's funny to think of. And I've told this story so many times because it is a big part of who I am and who I've become now in the work that I do with people. But I was at an aquarium in Boston. If you ever get a chance to go to the aquarium here, it's absolutely beautiful. I love it. And sea turtles are like my number one favorite animal. Like I've snorkeled with them and I've literally cried in my goggles. That's how much I love them. So I was at the aquarium and a family friend of ours from France was visiting and he makes me laugh unlike anybody else. So externally, I was pissing my pants laughing, having a great time, loved it. We walked into the aquarium and i just remembered like wanting to leave immediately like it just didn't feel good nothing about it felt right and i almost had this you know and bear with me like almost this like inner voice this inner sound that literally was like i'm confused aren't we supposed to be having the best time of our lives right now <laughs> like do you not see the sea turtles and the penguins in front of you like mm, something something's not right here and it was truly in that moment where that inner voice, I call it like, you know, my, my inner child basically just came out and was like, I don't even know you anymore. And seeing the look of like fear on her face and frustration, that was my biggest shock of like, like, you know, that's when like everything just kind of stopped full stop and was like, oh shoot, like we've come really far. I don't even know who I am anymore. And it was a matter of, of really recognizing that and like swallowing the truth of that on my own of being like, I, I don't want this. And I think that's the biggest difference is like, you know, having that that grit that not many of us do have in those, in those moments of recognizing like, I don't want this. And at the same time, I know I'm the only person who can fix this for myself. Yeah.
0: And that's so tough for people. And I don't know if you're a believer in this, but I believe that like we live multiple lives within our own life Yeah, life. And I think that when you had these envisions of Broadway and everything, like you did die, like a a part of you died, Mm -hmm. but that always leads to something new. And Mm -hmm. I can relate to this real heavy because I mean, I used to be an athlete. I was a collegiate athlete and I went to school for engineering and I was drinking a lot and just doing things that like, that's not even, I'm a completely new human being now. (laughs) It's, it's crazy when I look back. But I'm also the same, Mm -hmm. like I'm still the same kid. Mm -hmm. That's why I love when we were chatting before the show about like inner child and I posted a couple of times about like, don't grow up and stuff like that. And I'm still the same kid. I'm still hyper competitive. I love to learn. I love trying new things. It's the same thing, but I have different modalities for which I go about it. And I think a lot of people, because of the pressure from their parents or their friends or their family they stick through modalities for their entire lifetime. And to me, that's like, you're holding back from the world, like your true beauty of being able to like turn into that butterfly over and over and over again, once something is not for you anymore. So I love that you, that you shared all of that. And again, it it hits home with me and I think it'll probably hit home with other people out there where the best thing that I did was I literally, so I'm living outside New York and I was just like, I need to get out of here. And I ended up visiting my wife, Erin, but at the time like we weren't dating Mm -hmm. and that kind of led me to just like trying so many different new and various things that started to loop back to that confidence factor Mm -hmm. that you talked about in the beginning. Like even with podcasting, like it was a no brainer for me to get into it because I was like, Oh, this is just going to be fun. I'm just going to try some new for you though what was the point where okay you're in the depressive state to what started getting you out of that because for me what got me out of it was literally taking a step back and realizing that i was the only one in control of this like it was not my friends it wasn't my family and I'm, i'm trying to think back how i actually got to that point which is so tough i need to think about this off offline But for you, I don't know if you know that point or if you have advice to finding that point, because I think a lot of people out there, myself included, like you said, are constantly recreating ourselves. We're humans. It's not like you're titled one thing one day and the next. And that can be stressful if you don't know how to really dive into that. So for you, when you're depressed, how did you get out of that? What what did that look like?
1: Yeah. So I have this belief, I've come to this belief that our inner child is our greatest mentor. Hands down, locked, sealed, delivered. Define
0: what you mean by inner child, because I know what you mean by, Like maybe someone else out there. Doesn't.
1: Right. So essentially what it is, is it's to give a bit more of like a scientific background as to how I've kind of come to this belief, is between the ages of what is it? Like uh, like zero to seven for some people, a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. We're Everything that we experience, the things that we're told, the things that we see and hear and feel and whatnot, build our subconscious mind. And our subconscious mind is essentially like pruned and, and, you know, and built. And it's the foundation of who we are as adults after that. And so after the age of seven to 10, let's say, we live in our conscious mind, where what we're actually doing day to day is our behaviors and thought patterns and beliefs all stem from our subconscious programming. And like you said, what happens is when we become so misaligned from our own truth, right? We're, what you were calling like being in that that ego version of ourselves, it merely comes from having a specific programming, you know, as you were a kid and something that you experienced that has now been shaped into a different or has not been shaped, but has been further pushed along or further uh, affirmed, you know, something that let's say negative that we heard as a kid. And then that drives how we consciously behave in our day to day. So what that looked like for me when I was stepping out of my depression and then also still having my anxiety and whatnot was seeing who I was at my truest core and understanding that, yes, certain things have happened to me as a kid that has made me who I am today, but I have the responsibility of reparenting my inner child and understanding that they not only can guide me to my most truest self, right—the highest, the biggest version, the biggest potential of myself. Because as kids, we dreamed bigger than we could even remember today. Honestly, I think so. And because we we lose that connection, for me and a lot of people, what happens is we we fall into these states of, of being so disconnected that we fall into mental health illnesses and and whatnot. Where for me, depression was being so disconnected from my truest version of myself and what it looked like was really you know sitting her down and when I say that like for me it literally was closing my eyes and visualizing me as a kid sitting in front of me and asking her these simple simple questions a to begin to get to know her because she had already kind of like forgotten who I was right like I was depressed. I was thinking about killing myself. Like, I didn't want to act anymore. I didn't want to do anything. I just yelled at my parents. I wasn't grateful. Like, just it was so far away from my own truth, right? Whether people fall into things like addiction with drinking or drugs or just behaviors that are so unlike them and so uncharacteristic. But when we're in that state of not knowing any better, it feels comfortable for some wild and crazy reason. So for me, it was really turning back into her and tuning into her and being like, Shit, like, I have to even ask you, like, what's your favorite color? Because I forgot. Like, what, again, like, what makes you feel, you know, we we're saying this earlier, like, what makes you feel safe? Because that was a big thing for me. You know, I've, you know, experienced various sorts of trauma as a kid. And it can be as simple as, like, the way somebody spoke to me on the playground it doesn't have to be anything crazy or dramatic. But that was programmed into who I was now, where as the adult that I was becoming in college and whatnot, if I were to hear something that would trigger that inner child, I would be brought back down this spiral. So I had to figure out how can I bridge my false self, what people call your ego, with my truth. You know, your inner child, your highest self, your most abundant version of you. You know, whatever you, however you want to describe it. And for me, it was about like sitting down, like fully stopping everything that I was doing because nothing was working. Like, let's not try to kid ourselves. Nothing about, you know, the way that I was trying to take care of myself was working. And, you know, leaning in and asking the questions and then slowly beginning to take action on what those questions, what, I mean, what the answers were, were teaching me. Because I had to first connect back to her so that she could, you know, mentor me into into who I am and help me make the decisions that I make today and follow those nudges and follow that, that what feels like an alignment and know that she had to remind me like, remember those purple postcards we had, like that was the fuel to our fire, you know, versus what was happening at that point was every rejection fueled my anger and fueled me further into my depressive state. And it was, again, it was just such a massive disconnect. So it was simply, I mean, I remember one of the first things I thought in that moment was like, shoot, like how do I, how do I make us laugh? Like genuinely, how do I make us laugh? Laugh, you know? How do I make you feel safe? And I try, you know, I remember that when I was a kid, I used to get in trouble for reading because I used to read so much. And it was literally like pulling a sci fi book, you know, and sitting down and like a, being wrapped up in a blanket and just sitting there and being alone and having time to read. And that was one of the first things I did where I was like, oh, okay, she wants to be alone right now. Like, she just, that's how she wants to be taken care of. And for me personally, I think this tool is so strong and so important because you and I both know this, like we are so much better at taking care of other people and other things than we are about ourselves. And we all know the the story of, you know, you have to put your oxygen mask on first before you put on yeah. other people and we hear it and we roll our eyes to it. So what I created was this idea of take that inner child version of yourself, you know, whatever... Put, put them in an outfit, like really get really specific on what they look like and externalize them to you. And every time you feel as though you need a little bit of guidance, assistance, or something's triggering you, or there's something like a, something you're nervous about or some a leap you're, you're scary about taking or whatever it is good or bad, you know, check in with them literally externally and be like, how do you feel? How are you doing? You know, or in those moments of, I can't do this, you know, we're bullying ourselves on the track or you know in the gym or what like I found myself being so mean to me. And then when I would check in and be like, okay, wait, my inner child, if I made her do this right now, would she be like, yeah, like we can push through this, you know, snatch or whatever? Or is she like, please take me home? Like I just want a nap. And when I listen to that, I go, okay, now I can honor it. Cause I'm honoring this thing external to me. I'm feeding it affirmations, which in turn is a fun, cool trick because when you listen to your inner child and listen to that inner voice and you feed it and you and you give it all that love and shower it in compassion and gratitude and you serve that, you're in essence just serving you, right? Yeah, but we're, we're just it. so much better at taking care of other things. So I go, okay, fine. So take care of your inner child. Take care of something outside of you.
0: You're basically creating a self within yourself. And exactly. there's a book called Untethered Soul, which talks about yes. like the voice in your head and how-
1: Your inner like, roommate, I think is what he calls it, right?
0: Yeah. And uh, so I've talked about that on the podcast before, where it's just like, if you have negative thoughts, like name your thoughts. And if that thought right. was like, let's say I have a friend named Bob and he's the alter ego inside my head that's like negative, why well, wouldn't be friends with Bob in real life? Exactly. So I basically take that outside of yourself and But I've never heard it in this way, which actually is an amazing way to look at things because like we always treat kids with kindness, but we don't treat ourselves and other adults with kindness Mm -hmm. because it would look really ridiculous to like go scream at a kid. Like, right. So like the way that you have to communicate with them is completely different. So I love this. And even relating back to my own life, immediately the thing that comes up is I'm I'm hyper competitive. Mm. Um, I still am as an adult, but when I was a kid, I was hyper competitive as it it created more problems than it was good. And when I look back, it was because I'm just, I didn't know how to like ask for love or like look for love and, and want attention. It was, I'm just going to be the best. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be the best, push other people down so that Mm -hmm. I get the attention. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas like in today's world, like I am not after the attention in my competitiveness. It's more so I'm after being competitive because I know I only have one life and I have faced death and said, I have one life to live. So like, why not go balls to the wall? Mm-hmm. But I've switched it from wanting attention from other people to, I want to be my best self. And I want my, in your eyes, inner child to be the best that it could possibly be while I have the opportunity to do so. So I, I absolutely love what you were just talking about. I think a lot of people can take something from it, but I'd love to kind of, get towards wrapping up our discussion and I'd love to understand more about like what is it that you I hate the question, but we have to get (laughs) what is it that you do on a daily basis? Um, now that obviously that you transitioned out of acting and wanting to be on Broadway, what does your day to day look like right now and who are who are you working with?
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm so honored and grateful and I love that my acting career has brought me to this sort of stage. Like I, you know, I am booking as many, well, obviously COVID aside, but, you know, booking as many stages as possible to share, you know, my own message and my own story. And so thank you for giving me this platform today and for letting me, you know, really fill my cup because I, I could chat all day long. Like I'm a chatty Cathy. Um, so I mean, really it is like every day is just full filled with trying to just have meaningful conversations with people as possible. So I can learn and expand and in doing that same thing with my clients, I work specifically with millennials because I mean, I resonate with them the most and I feel like we collectively have this, I'm going to call it a burden because I, I do think it, it does feel like a burden to a lot of us. We have this collective burden to really be the ones to shape everything right now and to be the fighters and the leaders. And so any way that I can give back in the terms of really setting up that mindset to understand that like ego Ego is good and, and it has a place because it can fuel that fire for some of us. But we get to decide how to listen to it, or you know, those limiting beliefs that we have, like we don't have the time. This world, you were not put onto this earth to play small at all. Like there is an absolute reason as to why you're here. I feel inherently everybody is good. I really do. I feel everybody is inherently good. I just feel like the program that programming that we experience as a kid has brought us to be the way that we are right now. And that's where my work comes in, where I'm like, I want to empower you to know that you are put on this earth for a reason, to do the good, to do whatever it is that you want to do. But we have to get those limiting beliefs out of the way. We have to get that love and compassion back to that inner child, to heal the parts of ourselves, to reparent the parts of ourselves that are just like yearning to like jump out and be free, you know? So I always say to people too, I go, you know, I wake up every morning and I decide, am I? you know, if, if I feel like I'm not in the space to do today for me to show up for my clients, for me, or to, you know, show up on stages or create, you know, an e-course that I'm trying to build or, you know, record my own podcast. I was like, okay, fine. If I can't show up for me, I got to show up for my inner child because, you know, she has a purpose on here and like, I got to make her, her legacy, you know, known. Um, but yeah, my days are basically just filled right now with zoom meetings (laughs) and, um, and just, and trying to, I mean, I'm inspired by you daily too. Like I love the videos that you post it. It definitely feels like messages from, from your heart. And like you said, the more that we just are able to share those reminders for ourselves, like, you know, I love recording podcasts with other people because spending an hour talking about my message and my story, like helps me heal. I have he- healed so much of my own mental health story and narrative by talk. like I don't cry when I talk about it anymore because I've, I've really healed it and I'm proud of it. And I'm just so honored to be able to do that work for other people, and to get like some of the responses I get from my clients, like I'm, I'm still, I'm still shocked. Like I'm not saying this to just be humble. Like I genuinely don't know how, but I think just because I followed the grace of whatever the universe was like, this purpose, yeah, soul. yeah, exactly. That's that's what it
0: is. Like people feel it. It's another energy that I mean, we're all just a ball of energy. At the exactly. End of the day, and, like we can feel it and. I mean you're you're spot on and I told you I was competitive, so I like to learn, right? Well, what's the fastest way to learn? Conversation with other people. I can never like the the inner child thing. I've never heard I've never heard that before. Right. Mm-hmm. I've been reading, I've I read voraciously. Like if for the people that are ever gonna see this video right now, like, <laughs> I'm turning it towards, like a community bookshelf, like I'm obsessed with yeah, with learning and, and getting better, but nothing will ever compare to having a conversation with somebody else because they have such a unique perspective and it's quick so it's like within an hour i can learn so much and then into integrate that into my life so it's one of the reasons that i mean people will be like man you're you're everywhere like Mm -hmm. what drive what drives you and they'll ask me who i follow or who i look up to and it's A lot of it is the people i get to talk with it Mm -hmm. it's not not famous people it's Mm -hmm. not um celebrities i don't i don't really follow the i guess the game changers or the change makers as they call them the people that i follow most are the ones that have things to lose and they're still going after it and that's the people i get to converse with every single day like this is your life we're talking about like Mm -hmm. it's do or die like you Mm -hmm. thought your life was some some way and then you have to completely pivot and remake yourself like That's what we should be putting people on it. Like you're going to put people on a pedestal. Like those are the types of people. So that's why I even created this. This Mm -hmm. podcast was literally what you're talking about to feed my inner child. And it stemmed from one of my buddies. I asked him like, what's my superpower? And he long story short, it came to connection, like connecting people and communities. And I think back and I was like, wow, like I loved being the captain of the soccer team and the sports that I played not necessarily because I wanted the attention, but because I wanted everyone to play nice. Mm -hmm. And by play nice, I mean like I wanted to give the energy to the one kid who might not be as good, but I could see that like he was a rah-rah guy. And I'm like, you need to like get the team warmed up and riled up and whatever. You might not have the best skill, but you can be the best here. And then you have the guy who's the, the asshole who scores a lot of goals and you have to talk to him in a way to get him to settle down, not like create problems on the team. And it's just like, That's really why I wanted to be the captain of the ship. It had nothing to do with like, when I look back, it was like the attention and stuff like that. But when I look back at the skills that I acquired by doing that and following that inner child, now I look back at my life and I'm like, wow, that really makes sense. Which leads me to my last question, because a lot of people, when they're pivoting and they're shedding, they're scared that they don't know how to be this new person or they don't have the skills. What skills did you acquire from your previous, what I would say life, Mm -hmm. have helped you in this new one to then earn that trust and those responses from those clients? Because I think a lot of people don't understand how much our intangible skills transfer to different job titles, careers, and paths until you get into it. I didn't really realize how much I had learned from my previous life into my new life. And now I'm like tripling down on those things that like my inner child learned and knew, but I didn't let to like get out into the world. So for you, what does that look like? And what would your advice be for people to like use those skills to thrive?
1: Hmm, That's such a good question. I feel like, I I feel like, I think I have like two things that kind of came up. I think the first one, and it's something that I notice a lot with my own clients and that's why I bring it up too, is that celebrating the small wins is what helps you to validate yourself and remembering that whoever that new person is that you're becoming, even if it doesn't go as to plan, you know, with air quotes, it's still celebratory. There's something still to celebrate because the truth of the past is that you've done enough things back then to celebrate that. And sometimes we grew up not celebrating a lot of things and not being showered in love and confetti and whatnot, but you get to do that now. And you get to decide, you know, whoever this new person is, if I'm really just trusting in it because it's already is, it has happened. I won't get like too meta right now or whatever, but like your time is, doesn't exist. Like your future self is already living. And yeah. the more that you kind of release that and just know like I'm going to wear this outfit today It's kind of crazy, but it just feels right right now. And even if it's not and my future self is looking at me like the that was a horrible outfit choice, like it doesn't matter because it's already happened. So the first thing I would say is to really celebrate yourself and everything, literally in everything. And I bring this back to this childhood stuff because it's so synonymous with, with everything that we do. Like we s- used to celebrate you, whoever's listening, like when you had your poop first poop in your diaper, like th- it was like the talk of the town, I bet. Like everyone was like, "Oh my god, like <laughs> Right, exactly. Or, like, oh my God, you made a babbling sound. Like, oh my goodness. Like, so, like, we we're so congratulatory off of like the silliest things. But, like, why did we stop doing that? Like, why? There's no good, there's no good in oh You know, like, why do we stop doing that? So, start doing that. Start celebrating your small wins. No one else has to know about it. Just let yourself celebrate in that and trust that there's something bigger and greater coming from it. And then, I think the second thing that I thought about that I never thought about before, but I think for me, when I talk about specific skills from my past life, you know, looking at myself as an actor, like I got to play these fictional roles that were created, you know, to give us that hero's journey and hero's arc. You know, like I worked a lot with family theaters and, and putting on shows for for both children and their families and adults. So like I played, um, you know, Pinocchio and Pippi Longstocking and like Jojo and Susical and all of these characters that have these like you know turn their adversity into advantage. And for me, if I were to think back on that and who I am now, I'm like, huh, I told their story once and it kind of worked out for them despite it being fictional. But like, if I could embody the acting that I was doing back then, like, who's to say that, I mean, if anything, I'm already that person because I was casted to play that role. I made it so convincing enough that that people believed my narrative in that and now I I already have that within me, right? So like celebrate again, like what you already have within you that perhaps you've just kind of forgotten about.
0: Wow. Mike, drop on that response. <laughs> that was amazing. And the celebrating the willow of wins is something I've been really hard pressed to do over the years because I'm, I'm the type of person that like I'm a big dreamer. So mm-hmm. I know that like every time I dream of a new thing, it's just like another th- thing added to the task list. So it's it's, it's been tough for me, I'm not gonna lie, but I like how you responded to that and gave me some stories. Cause like, I hope to have kids in the next couple years and it's just like, I don't want to put on them to not celebrate, like to not mm-hmm. celebrate those things. Like I want life to be full of color, not full mm-hmm. of gray. So mm-hmm. I love how you put that and I'm gonna take that with me. And this has been such an inspiring and motivating conversation. Thank you so much for coming on and spending some time with me. But one of the questions I always ask people at the very end, there's two things.
1: Uh
0: One, what is your moonshot goal? So like within 30 seconds, like for me, I want to get into like education reform and like educating millions of people of like how to thrive on life. Right. But what is your like, if you're 85 years old and talking to your grandkids and you're like, I achieved this thing, what would that cool thing be? It can be as small or as big as, as you would hope.
1: Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go big. I'm going to go big for sure. For me, it's definitely unlocking the parts of ourselves that we were told to hide as children. Like I want everyone on the face of planet Earth to begin to understand their own truth, their own value, and that they are the only person in their own way. I
0: love that. And The reason I ask that question is because maybe someone out there already kind of has the same thing or is mm. fulfilling the same thing and they might have a connection or, or whatever or just love what you're talking about and can help you get there a little bit quicker. So that's that. that's the reason I asked that question. But the last thing is if there's someone out there listening and they can potentially be your client, what does that target customer look like so that it's a good match? So that way someone out there, if they're think they've listened to this and might be thinking about reaching out to you, what is kind of like the people you work with look like? And I don't mean looks as in physical features. I mean like <laughs> characteristics that make them a good fit for your business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. My biggest thing is really resonance. Like, yes, I work with specifically people. Like if you're feeling burnt out, you really do feel that nudge and that ping that there is something bigger that you're itch, literally like your skin is physically itching for something bigger that you have that inner voice. You just kind of feel frustrated or confused on how to really tap into that. I, I'm ready to be your cheerleader and to really like bring you and guide you on that journey. But I always say, like, if anything that you hear in this whole thing resonates with you, like just reach out. Like I I'm a you know, I'll sit and chat on the phone for as long as we want and we can just kind of hang out and 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 see if there is alignment in that. Because like I said before, like you asking for a sign is a sign, and that there's no better time than right now to be stepping into your your limitless potential because we need you. The world needs you.
0: Awesome. And how does that person reach you? What's the best way to get in contact?
1: Instagram is the best at my first and last name. So S-I-R-E-N-A-A-B-A-L-I-A-N. Uh, and I'm, I'm right there. I'm always there sending voice notes back and forth and making things happen.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Serena, for hopping on here. Just like I end other, every other episode, I kind of give my, my two cents on what was the biggest takeaway for me. And it was clear as day. It was the purple note cards mm. and really finding ways to take no's in stride and they can show up in so many different ways in your mm-hmm. life like you can literally wake up and your car could have a flat tire that's like the world telling you no you're not going to get to work on time today so how are you going to adapt and adjust are you going to be negative or are you going to be positive mm-hmm. so that was a huge takeaway from me and really has my head spinning on how can i introduce that into my life in a physical form i'm pretty mm-hmm. good at it mentally mm-hmm. but it would be really cool to have some type of board or something or even like digitally i like to look back at old videos mm-hmm um and things like that so i think i'm gonna i'm gonna run with that and take take that but before we leave is there any parting words
1: um no man just have fun enjoy your day and call your parents and tell them you love them
0: (laughs) i love that that's a great way to end this call your parents tell you love them friends family whatever it may be let them know that you care this is cj finley with the thrive on life podcast thrive on y'all what's up y'all this is cj again and on behalf of our small team at thrive on life i'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count and we realize the best way to do this is together as a team so we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our thrive on life community to do so please head to thriveonlife.com and join our mighty network In this network, you will find a diverse group of people that is on a mission of self-improvement and honing the mentality to get 1% better each and every day. Within each improvement we make as individuals, we can then be of service to this world and help it get better as a whole. What's awesome is we've already had people make new friends, receive job offers, and collaborate on new business and creative opportunities. But most importantly, within this group, you will be guaranteed the ability to learn, grow, and share experiences with other like-minded individuals. I know the community would love to connect with you. Before I sign off though, I'd like for you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.